0: Well, Yenzi, awesome guest today, cycling megastar, right in time for the Tour de France Femme, Demi Wollerin. She's having an
1: incredible year, isn't she? Absolutely. I mean, in the classics, she absolutely seemed to be unbeatable, and I think she is going for the big one with the upcoming Tour de France Femme. It's been really neat following her on her Instagram
0: and seeing her journey to try to peak again during the Tour de France. I mean, she's going to have some very, very stiff competition. We know Annemiek van Vuyten just won the, the Giro Dona. She won the Tour de France last year. Demi was second. So
1: this is going to be a great episode. Absolutely. And maybe after the Tour de France femme, we're going to say, the queen is gone. Long live the queen. Because we might see a change in the hierarchy of women's cycling.
0: And uh, we have a special a special guest coming on
1: today as well, don't we, Yenzi? Absolutely. We will be having the honor and fun of speaking to Dia Noor, who was sent to the Tour de France by Velo. And what makes it so special is he's the first time ever visitor for the Tour de France. Can't wait to talk to him. Huh? Bobby, what do you
0: think? Oh yeah. Uh getting his unique perspective. Um Is going to be fantastic because in the end we're just fans of the sport and to see a guy like him experiencing what we used to put our blood sweat and tears in for so long is going to be fantastic so please sit back relax and enjoy our new episode with Demi Vollering welcome Demi Vollering to Bobby and Jens thank you well this is this is great having you on thank you so much time for carving out some time with us today Wow. You are having one heck of a season. I mean, from basically the first or second race, you've just been on a tear. But before we dive into that, where are you right now and uh, what are you up to?
2: Uh, yeah, I'm now in Andorra. Uh, I do a little altitude camp before, for the Tour de France. So, uh, I'm enjoying my time here. Uh, I had some easy days. Uh, and after, after today, uh, yeah, then, then I will start with some more intense trainings. But uh, always the first days of altitude is always a bit more easy. So, uh, And also, to be honest, I was really enjoying those easy days because it was pretty crazy period uh, for me last time. So, uh, yeah.
1: And um, you did some recon of the Tour de France stages that's coming up now. Is that correct?
2: Yes, I did. Uh, together with my boyfriend, uh, we went after the Dutch Championships to french with the camper van uh to to see some stages uh from the tour de France. so uh it was really nice also because it was with the camper van it always feels like a bit of a holiday and yeah you're like every every um stage we were like standing on the course uh of the tour de France uh, it, uh stages so yeah i don't know it's always giving you also extra motivation and extra energy for in the races because like, when you pass the camping side uh, in the races, you always think back of the nice time you had during the recons uh, with the camper van there, um, going on the bike for some nice breath uh, to the bakery, uh, that kind of things, so or for a little hike after training uh, to explore the areas. And, uh, yeah, then in the races, uh, it's a bit more easier than, uh,
0: well, suffering. Well, I definitely want to talk about that a little bit later, but Listen, how did you get into cycling in the first place?
2: Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, cycling was always already, I think, uh, a part of of my life or something. When I was really, like, really young, really, like, a kid, um, I always really enjoyed cycling uh, already. uh, also because uh, I had a nephew and a cousin uh, who did cycling and I always was uh, kind of jealous I also wanted to do that uh because I didn't have other brothers or sisters I'm the oldest at home so I was always looking up to them and uh yeah I also wanted to do it because it was so cool and uh yeah I when I was young I did some like races in the streets with some kids uh from the neighbors uh, so it was really nice and uh yeah, I, I just always really enjoyed uh, riding a bike. And um, then I was always asking to to do bike races. Um, but I don't know, my parents always kept me a little bit away from real bike races. Uh, so first I did like this big band races we called it in Holland. It's like, like the real translation is fat tire races. Uh, it's on school bikes. Um, and it was always organized uh, like before the criteriums on on the mentor or something uh, in Holland. So I did a few of those, and uh, it was really nice. And uh, sometimes I won, sometimes not. Uh, I won once went to like the Dutch Championships uh, for for like this fat tire races, uh, and then I had like uh, a mechanical. So then I was really pissed. And uh, I I always want this like this this little. Um, uh um stubborn, uh kid in me who always wanted to win the races and uh yeah uh once I was sixteen uh I I really back to to do real road races and then finally I started with real road roadway races and uh yeah it was I really enjoyed it. Uh I also did uh, speed skating uh next to the winter and actually when I was sixteen or seventeen um, I had a really good season, um, uh, with speed skating. And then I was more focused on speed skating. Also, I did school, of course, next to it. So then my focus shift, uh, shifted more into speed skating and, um, my, my, in like, I did flower school. So I was also more focused on that. Um, and then cycling went a little bit more to the background, but then in the end it came all back.
1: Um, we have this uh, Fat Tire program in Germany as well. It's called Fat Tire. Uh, yeah. It's it's a great start for kids in a safe, yeah. easy environment to start cycling. But yeah. now that you mentioned, uh, you did a lot of um, speed skating. Um, I hope I pronounced it right. Did you ever had a chance to participate in the Elfstedentocht, that big no. long race you have in Holland?
2: No, no, it never it never was there anymore since like I think the year i was born was like last time maybe or something but it's already for a long time it's not like organized because um uh, it's not cold enough in the winter or like sometimes it, it is but then the ice is still not thick enough because it's so so famous in Holland that uh if it if it's there uh the race um so many people will come there that it's actually not really possible to to go all on the ice, so I
1: Maybe give our listeners a viewers a quick explanation. It is Elstaden yeah. It means eleven city tour, right? And it's what hundred seventy yeah. kilometers long, all on ice in the Grachten, in the in the canals. Canals you have in Holland.
2: Yes, it's it's in the north of Holland, and uh, like in the winters, uh, when it's really cold, then the the lakes all get frozen in the ri- or the rivers, and then we have like this, uh, yeah, this big uh, loop uh, through 11, uh, cities, uh, in Friesland, uh, in the north of Netherlands and, uh, yeah, it's really famous. And uh, also you have some good movies from it. Um, it's, it's, it's typical Dutch, uh, uh, speed skating on, on nature ice. So, uh, it's, it's so cool. And like last year we had nature ice. Um, and then you can go like on the lakes, uh, and, uh, on the rivers, um, and then you can do your ice skating there. Um, it's it's super cool, and I I love it so much. Um, so I was really happy last year that uh, that I was finally in Holland, and then it was again there, because it's it's not so often anymore. So it's also pretty special if it's there, because also this time it was only three days that there was ice on the lakes.
0: I have a buddy who is the national coach for the uh, USA ice skating speed skating team and you know it's summer training so a lot of his social media stuff has has the uh the ice skaters out there on on bikes do you remember what sort of training you were doing uh on the bike when you were ice still ice skating and why do you think that crosses over so well between sports
2: ah yeah good question um when like when i was doing ice skating um I was for sure also on the bike and also I did, uh, I did the road races, but I also, I, like, my season started really late because, uh, yeah, till the beginning of April, I think, or something, I was still nice, uh, ice rings, um, and then, only then I started to, to ride my bike. Um, I did not so much in the winter on the bike, um, but like, if you see the pros now, the the ice, uh, ice skating pros now, they do a lot of training on the bike. Um, and also a lot of other trainings for sure, but it's also a lot of leg work for sure. So I think this is, uh, something what's what's important, uh, also for sure in, in cycling, but also you use a lot of core, um, and I think a lot of people do uh, underestimate how much core you use on the bike, but for me, it's also really
1: important on the bike. And when you said uh, at the age of 16, you asked your parents to really get you, give you a chance to participate in bike racing, back then probably Marianne Foss was probably already five times world champion. Was she a hero for you or were you ever inspired by another cyclist or another sports person in your life or you always liked cycling because it's great?
2: Yeah, no. I, I was not really following cycling Um on TV or in the newspapers or something. It was actually more my my younger brother who was always into following uh, cycling, but me not. I I really enjoyed to do it myself. But yeah, I was not so interested what the others were doing and uh, just more focused on uh, riding a bike myself. So uh, I never really um, yeah f- for sure I knew Marianne Vos, but I was not never really. Uh, a fangirl or something not, never really um, how do you say it it was not really that I was inspired by her and that I wanted to do then bike races but more yeah I just really loved to to do it myself also
0: but Dutch women's cycling has been a powerhouse for years decades what do you think what are you guys doing in the Netherlands there? that seem to create generational champion after generational champion. I mean, you're, you're continuing this trend, this trend of Dutch dominance.
2: Yeah. Ah, that's always a really good question. I think first of all, like Holland is really, um, bicycle minded. So when I was a little kid, I went already to school on the bicycle. It was seven kilometers for me to like school when I was age of 10 or even younger in the beginning you go with with, with your mom or uh, like my auntie uh, went with us sometimes uh, on the bike to school and then you go on the bike to school with this group um, and later on uh, yeah you you can go by yourself and when I was doing flower school for example it was uh, 16 kilometers on the bike but I just went on the bike because uh, it's the easiest transport in Holland I think and Everybody does it. So I think, yeah, that's one of the biggest things for sure that, uh, Holland is so cycling minded. Um, and then also I think you have like a lot of clubs in Holland where you can join, uh, to, to cycle, but also some, uh, uh smaller races, uh, some club races, uh, and that's for sure also really good to do. And then you have a chance to, to. To have a taste of of cycling, and then you also can grow better, maybe, into cycling. Um, So, I think these are things, uh, yeah, what we have in Holland, uh, what's good for sure. But I think also you see now, uh, like, for example, Italy is doing really good in cycling, and they also really grow as a nation, I think. So, it's also interesting to see the other countries grow.
1: And so since you started early with cycling, the fat tire program and so on, when was the first time you realized, hey, I, I can be good at this. I can make a living out of this. I could be a pro bike rider. When was the first time you realized, I think I'm actually really good at this?
2: Ah, that was actually neither. Um, when I did the, the fat tire program, I, for sure, then I really loved it, but I never would have thought that. I could make a living on it because yeah i was just a kid and just enjoying it but then uh actually um when i had this really good year into uh in in ice skating um after that i had a really bad year um i could not reach my uh personal records and uh, that was very frustrating and that year i also learned to, to know my boyfriend uh, and he was a writer for the and it's without contract so he did also some bike races. And then we went together to uh, the Ardennes for some weekends of of, of training there. And then uh, I did longer trainings, what I never did really do before. So that was all new for me. And then um, I was completely broken. And uh, at one point, uh, also completely empty. I had like a hunger flat, everything. I was almost crying uh, uphill. I, I could not do it anymore. So he was pushing me. And then we came home, and then the next morning I wake up and I say, "Okay, we go again." And then yeah, I went again for a long ride. And then he said to me, "Like, if you can now do already again a big ride, then you recover so fast. You have so much talent. uh If I was you, then uh, I should stop ice skating and focus more on uh, on cycling." And then in the beginning I said, uh, "No, <laughs> fuck you." <laughs> 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 I will not do this because I I loved ice skating too much and um, I really thought it was meant to be um, but yeah then this year I was really a bad year on the on the ice so then I thought maybe he's right <laughs> and then uh, and then I shifted more back into road cycling and yeah then it actually was really fast. Um, I started to train uh, with uh, with a trainer uh, for cycling. Um, and then the next year I had already a contract with Parketel Valkenberg. So actually then it was when I became, when I started by Parketel, um, the first year I was already on the podium in Liège. Um, and there was actually that I thought, okay, I think I can be really good at this. And, uh, I can, I think I can be make, make a living from this, but yeah, the That first year, I realized, okay, this is really something for me, and uh, I think I can be really, really good in this.
0: Well, we can confirm that you are really good in this. Um, You've come a long way, for sure, but you've been successful for years now. But your season this year has been nothing less than dominating. You know, in the Spring Classics, you won almost every single one. I think I wrote it down from March the 4th to April the 23rd from Strada Bianchi through liege Only liege I think you raced nine times and won six or seven. So, like, that's, that's pretty, pretty darn good. But what do you think, with all the success and winning liege Only liege in the past as well, what did you find or what is working, what is clicking for you? Um, because you went straight from... The dominant classic season into the stage races, and you're just clipping along. You you just won the Dutch National Road Championship, and you're heading towards heading towards the biggest race of the year. But what what is different this year? You think for your consistency throughout the season?
2: I think it's uh, a little bit of everything. Um, I I grow uh, like I I I became better uh, physically, uh, stronger. Uh, like my engine is bigger, um, and that makes also that in the races I have more space to think, um, and that also makes that I understand races better during the races. Um, so it's it's everything. So mentally I'm stronger, physically I'm stronger. Um, it's kind of like a circle, I think, and uh, also like. One of the biggest things, what I learned, I think is, um, really getting to know my body. So I know what is good for me now, um, where my limits are. Um, and also like, uh, since this year, uh, Anna's, uh, fully my trainster. Last year she was already like together with my, my, my trainer before she, she did my trainings, but Anna was re- always really, um, pushing me to to learn uh, about the, the, the trainings I did, so I, I needed to learn um, why I did trainings or um, why sometimes you can better do not do your efforts. or And then when you start to understand this also better, you start to learn your body better, um, the trainings goes better, um, you have much more better days on the bike because uh yeah you you don't go too much over the limit anymore i think this all helps help me and uh uh yeah i also that made that i enjoy cycling even more now i think uh because like last winter for example i felt already a big difference because now when i did like for example 5 hours on the bike i felt like after this 5 hours ah, i still feel good so I do another extra hour. Well, um, the year before I would never have think about this because five hours is already pretty long. So why the hell would you do another extra hour? <laughs> and now, I don't know. And now I feel my body better. So um, I feel also better. Like, ah, I feel good. So I can do this extra hour. Um, yeah, I think it's it's all those small things that, that, that paid out this year, I think, and uh, yeah made me better.
1: Um, I think you mentioned it twice in your answer, which I believe it's interesting. You said that you physically become stronger, so you're less tired in a race. So that basically means not all your blood is in your legs and your muscles. You have more blood for your head to think about the strategy. Yes. I think that's yes. underestimated. If your heart rate is just 10 beats lower than everybody else around you, you have so much more mind capacity to think about Hey, actually, what happens in 50 kilometers from now? How can I win this race instead of being I need to follow the wheel? I need to follow the wheel, right? Would that be a big difference for you that you had more time to think about strategy and yeah. how you want to uh, want to plan the race?
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. This, this, this is really you explained it perfect. I mean, um, this really helped me. That that in the race when you're on top of a climb. You look around and you're thinking like okay everybody's on the limit now now I need to go and then you just go um and then yeah then I don't know every everything is much more easier now or something it it's um, it goes more automatically also I'm way more into the races like really more in the moment where sometimes last year I was more looking already ahead of the race so then for example on the posternaire I was Coming to the bottom of the La Radoot and then I was thinking, Oh, I cannot go too deep because I need to save a little bit for the sprint if it's becoming a sprint. And now I don't think about this kind of things anymore. I just go to the Radout and I just give it my everything. I need to follow the wheels, and yeah, if I feel good, then maybe I attack or something. And I don't know, I'm just racing differently, I think. Also, um, also because I have this extra little space mentally in the races, um, you also start to, to, to understand the races better and, um, yeah, can make the perfect decisions in the races.
0: You just described what I used to mention as the flow state, state of flow, where just everything just seems to work out, you know, that even climbing the stairs in the hotel, you're just bounding up them two or three at a time when most of the time you're basically holding on to the guardrail or waiting to take the elevator to go up. But it's not just you. It's your team. It's your teammates. It's your team management. Tell us a little bit about what's making this year so special from that standpoint.
2: I think uh, for sure it made a big difference that we won already in the first races. I don't know also the pressure is immediately gone and everything just flows and it goes perfectly. And, uh, I think also it helped a lot that like, uh, last year, uh, in November, we went with the whole team to California to specialize and there we did, uh, three days of bike packing. Um, and that was so nice because there was nothing else you did. You went in the morning on the bike, went from A to B, uh, we packed our bags out there, put the tent up with your teammates, and then you sit around the campfire because there was nothing else. Um, and then we had just so good time there. I think this really brought us really close and uh, I think also this year um, we have some really important riders extra now, like Lorena Vives, uh Amicia, Orofemke, we have all this Different type of riders, uh, like like the younger girls, for example, like Misha and Femke and Barbara, uh, who came, uh, joined the team this year, are really um, like fresh blood and they are so motivated to work, like so hard. And those riders are so important for a team because this is also kind of, if they start already the race early, if they attack already for ki- from kilometer zero... Then a whole team is so motivated because they see their own teammates up on the road and they're like, okay, we go for it today. So this type of writers are so important in a in a team, I believe. And, uh, yeah, I think maybe last year we missed a bit of those type riders, but this year I have the feeling like our team is super all round. We have, from every kind of rider, we have a person. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's really helpful also.
0: And your staff, the staff that you have on the team. You kind of mentioned it um and maybe the the non uh cycling aficionados wouldn't have caught up on it, but you mentioned that um Anna Vandenbregen is yeah. your your coach. She's also DSing on the team with Lars Boom. And the whole team was started years ago by, by Danny Stam, right? Like so yeah. that tell us a little bit about those three people in particular that have built what you ladies are living right now.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure they are really important for all the successes. I mean, uh, before the races we make some team tactics, and uh, mostly they are the persons who, who makes the plans. Um, yeah, so that's that they are really important for sure, and uh, also uh, Danny is really good in in uh, keeping everybody, uh, happy in the team. So I think this is also really important, especially if, a, if you have a team with a lot of winners, it's really difficult to keep all the riders happy. And, uh, I don't know how he does it, but he does it. And, uh, it also works because a lot and also with a lot of different riders. So this is really nice and also really important for the team and also, um, all the teammates all all the riders all are really motivated because they know they can have a chance chance and that's also really important in team, i think if you if you know you have a chance in a race um it's also a bit more easier i think and if you are always need to work to for the same person over and over every race again i think it's it's much more harder um and then at one point, you will have riders who are not so motivated anymore. And this, this is not happening in our team. Everybody is so motivated. And, and also like Anna, for example, uh, then the first year when I joined the team, she was still a rider. Uh, and now she's my coach and also my DS. Uh, so yeah, it's really nice to have her behind me in the car. But also I learned so much uh, from her. Um, outside of the races uh, like the trainings for example but um, now with TT's I'm more focused on the, on the time trials also it's, it's so interesting to do this with Anna because she she was a really good uh, time trialist and uh, now I get to learn all the, the tips and the tricks from her so uh, it, yeah, it's just really nice um, also because she's sitting in the car and she knows the, exactly what's going on in her mind by the riders, so, if you're Sono, for example, on the road, the moment you think like, oh no, it's still so far, she's like, okay, everybody's hurting now, they're, they're, uh, stopping a bit in the back, and, I don't know, she says, they're exactly the, the good, things, on the right moments, in the race, in, in your airpiece, so, this is, yeah, really important for the riders, and, uh, really nice, and, uh, Lars Bohm, it's the same for him, of course. He is also, uh, yeah, so, he was so a good rider. And now he's our DS, so we can learn also still so much from him. And that's, uh, and that's super nice. And also, you hear also by Lars, for example, he's always so uh, uh, motivated and, um, yeah, really, really focused uh, in the car. It's really nice always. For example, all the the Flanders classics, he knows all the roads so good. So then you say, okay, this climb is coming. We go left and then small. And it's very important for us that we have somebody in the car who knows what's going on and yeah, helps us going through the races.
1: We'll be back after this short break. Now back to our chat with Demi. You, uh, you mentioned the experience Anna uh, van Bregen has and the time trial. Did you ever had Anna or whatever, last boom looking at your position? Do you ever do some sort of bike fitting? Hey, put your arms further in or further out or uh, lower your back or anything. You ever went through all that and would that help you as well with your um, performance and time trialing, for example?
2: Yeah, um, like when we were last year in November in California, Um, I also went into the wind tunnel and then uh, we did uh, different positions to see what was the fastest and uh, also I made now a a custom made handlebar so we were testing then which hand -hand position was the fastest and then um, when we knew what was the fastest and that made the the handlebar Um, also because Danny said like you need to have this handlebar so then I went for this handlebar. Um, yeah and then I do trainings now also on the TT t- bike um, and like a lot of different stuff on the TT t- bike and that's super nice uh, because Anna is giving me t- this training so like a lot of cadence difference on the TT t- bike or um, like over in uh efforts uh, or like uh, longer efforts with like um, this uh, speeding up uh, to a higher uh, uh, power for thirty seconds, all these different efforts, and that's that's really nice on the TT bike because I think um, because of doing like for example different cadence, uh, practicing on the TT bike, you really can find the perfect cadence you like in the race. Um, yeah, it's 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 a lot of work I do now on the TT bike, and uh, also with a lot of help from other people around me.
0: I am so jealous of you guys and girls that have those 3D printed handlebars for your time trial bike. I mean, that was what I always wanted because I always felt like the most important thing on a time trial bike is the cockpit, is that handlebar setup. And if you're comfortable there, you're going to be more powerful. And if you're more powerful, you're obviously going to go faster. So that's awesome. But let's talk a little bit about eventually getting to the Tour the France Femme here. Um, you had a very dominating spring campaign. Then you switched over to the stage races and was doing continuing to do well. Like I said, you were national road champion as well. But guess what? There's another race going on right now, a pretty big race, the Giro d'Italia Donna. And you're talking to us. You're not at that race. So, no. tell me, why?
2: Yeah, like... Uh... First of all, I cannot do everything. I mean, I I would like to, but uh, yeah, I I needed to have a, a bit of a training period now. Um, also, I chose for this, because I I still want to be good in the World Championships, and that's pretty short after the Tour de France. Um, yeah, and the Block Hero Tour, and the World Championships is uh, is a lot, and uh, I don't want to risk it because. Uh, I want to be on my best in the tour. Um, and, uh, yeah, in the Giro that can happen so much for sure. But, um, it's also difficult because there's in between, uh, only two weeks. So it's, it's difficult to, to, uh, maintain the, the, the form you have, for example, in the Giro to the tour, or if you come out of the Giro, you cannot do and much anymore, uh, uh, form wise towards the tour. And I, I like to have a big training period where I can really focus towards, uh, my goal also because, um, yeah, it helps me mentally. Um, if you train hard and, and only focused on training, eating good, sleeping good, resting good. And, and so on, um, if you're then on the start of the Tour de France, you know, okay, everything went well. Now I'm totally ready for it. And then, uh, yeah, then you only have to race and uh, hopefully it's enough.
1: <laughs> well, I guess in training, you control your environment. You can time your efforts yeah. at the minute, at the second. In racing, you depend on what the peloton wants to do. But uh, mm-hmm. now coming to, to the Tour de France and you did some recon, can you share the secrets with us? What are the important stages and when would we see you attack? On a certain stage Or you believe every day is just super important?
2: I I really believe every day is really important. Because I saw some stages now. And the stages I saw are really heavy. And uh, like for example, stage one is starting maybe a bit boring, maybe a bit flat. But then in the end, we have a big climb suddenly. And then on the top of the climb, it's only 10k or even less to the finish. So... Stage one is already really interesting. And then stage two. On paper it looks kind of flat. But then we have more altitude meters. As we have on the day of the lab. So this is also a very interesting stage. I think this will be a, a really hard stage. Um, I, actually every day is, is a lot of climbing. Um, for example stage three is a lot of small roads. all time twisting, turning and never flat um you need to be focused from stage one till the very end because uh it can happen everywhere or you can lose it everywhere i you can never lose your focus that's for sure
0: yeah the tour de france is a special character you know it can be totally pan flat on the profile everyone thinks it's going to be easy and it turns out to be the the day that decides the race but on paper the stage, stage seven, up to that finishes. You go up through La Mongie and you finish on top of the the Tourmalet, which Jens, we did that uh, way back in two thousand and four. So it it is tricky, and you do the Tour of uh, Cold Aspen prior to that. So break down a perfect scenario for you on that most important stage. I mean, it's the, the penultimate stage, so you only have the time trial after. But I'm sure this is the one that you definitely reconned correctly correct that Yeah yeah you camped on the side of the road in your camper van with tell us yes. a little bit about <laughs> that stage
2: Uh it, it's a really nice stage um, first we do cold asphalt and then uh, you go this downhill and the kind of felly uh roads and then you go left directly up to the terminal and then uh, I think it will be fireworks uh, I hope uh I hope it's all, all over the road there. And uh, I hope for sure I'm in front. <laughs> that will be for sure uh, my most uh, ideal uh, situation. Um, it's a hard climb. It's a long climb. And uh, yeah, when, when I was reckoning, it, it, was also um strange weather there when I passed the finish. Uh, so I think that was only 4k uh, under the summit. There was certainly a lot of headwind there. So this also can change a lot in the race. If you have still some, someone hanging on in your wheel, um that's not so nice. Uh so yeah, you, you want to be alone, I think. And uh yeah, I think that's the most important that uh, that you're good that day. If you have an off day there, then then you have a big problem,
1: I think. Did you experience Experiment a little bit with gears. I know the, the the boys would be probably use a 36 to probably 34 or 32 in the rear. In um, this year's Jury Italia, Primoz Roglic was the first person ever using a negative gear. I think he had a yeah. 30 or 34 on the front and a 36 in the back as the biggest gear. What do you, what type of gears are you expecting on the Tour Um
2: I think we do not have really something special. I think we have on the back uh, 32, I think in the race. Um, I don't think we will do something special there because I had this now on my bike and I did not have the feeling uh, that I needed to have more gears, for example. Um, Also, this is what I am used to, so I feel comfortable with this.
0: The Tour de France though, the Tour de France or the Tour de France Femme you that's where they they hand out all the brand new cool s- equipment gadgets bikes wheels you know 3d printed handlebars and stuff is there any like new little bling that you're going to get for the Tour de France fam coming up here in a couple of weeks any new shoes a helmet i mean you got the uh dutch national road champion jersey i'm sure so you got to yeah. make the full but- ensemble right <laughs>
2: Uh, Yeah, I have the Dutch championship uh, road uh, jersey, but uh, there is something a pity uh, about it because uh, I also wear the leaders jersey in the world tour and that one goes above the Dutch champion jersey. So I will not being seen in the in the red, white, blue uh, jersey, unfortunately, but in the pink
0: jersey. (laughs) That was a casual flex right there, Jensie? Did you hear that? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Just
1: a little casual flex, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mm-hmm. <laughs> my 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 daughter's uh, oldest one, being twenty, she would use that word. Yeah, flexing. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> really good. I love that. Um, so Demi, um, after the tour, um, it is not too much time to go uh onto the world championships in Glasgow, right? Uh, no. Um, do you already think a little bit about that? You go now. I'm all and only focused on the Tour de France, and only after that I decide of how I'm gonna do this. Or you have a long time plan going into the Glasgow World Championships?
2: No, for sure, the 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 World Championships are already in my mind, and uh, also with uh, the Dutch Federation, we we had already uh, some team days uh, uh, for for the for like days but also um, mainly for the world championships uh, which are coming up for sure um, so this is for sure something that's in my mind and uh, yeah I'm also dreaming of course uh, a little bit uh, about, uh, about that year I see but um, I cannot do so much about it now so now I'm really focused for the Tour de France uh, and the world championships is for sure in mind and really important for me but after the Tour de France, I will be again really fully focused uh, for the World Championships. One thing at a time.
0: <laughs> One thing that uh, I'm quite interested in is your fellow countrywomen are also going for these same goals. Um, I've always wondered when Dutch cycling has so many superstars, and Anamiek van Vloten is a bonafide superstar, as you are. Um, she's defending champion in the Tour de France Femme. She won the Vuelta Feminina. She's leading the Giro de Donna. You guys have the same goal in July and August, I would presume, winning the Tour de France and winning the world championships. You guys are, at from time to time, teammates on national teams yeah. and you guys obviously know each other well what is your relationship with with anna and do you can can rivals be friends in women's cycling
2: uh good question <laughs> yeah it's it's for sure always difficult that the whole season you're with your team and then like such important races the world championships and the european championships and the olympics is with the Dutch Federation, and uh, that's always a bit strange because the lawyer, you're uh, big rivals with with those riders, and then suddenly you're teammates with those riders. So it's always a bit uh, a bit shifting. But um, yeah, we're also professionals. So once we put on the the orange kit, uh, we're just teammates, and then we just try our best for each other. And uh, yeah, it's always. A bit strange, but um, it's it's the kids you're riding uh, that makes you also teammates in that moment. And um, I think uh, Annemiek and I are not like friends, but uh, I think we are really respectful for each other and uh, we can go on good with each other. So we don't have uh, problems or something with each other.
1: Okay, I have an easier question for you. You had a long and hard season and hopefully, like this year, a really successful season. You're going to the off season, the first week after racing and training and showing discipline. What do you do in the first week after a season? You go ice skating, you eat ice cream, you don't do anything at all. What makes you happy in the one week you have off? Uh,
2: Last year, I uh, went to the wedding from uh, from my teammate uh, Elena. Chickini with Enia Fighiani and uh, after that we, uh, we went to Sicily for a holiday and there we did uh, uh, a lot of nothing uh, a lot of uh, an- uh, enjoying on the beach eating a lot of nice food uh, ice cream um, I-, I really enjoy to do some hiking and to exploring uh, uh, the area where I am at um, I really love to to see the world. So also in Sicilia, we were like traveling a lot, Uh, always max two or three nights at the same place. And then we went to another place. Um, And I really love this because uh, you see so much and uh, I think the world has so much to, to, to show us. So uh, I also really enjoy to explore all this and uh, yeah. For example, going with the camper van, I can really enjoy So I need to see what I will do this, uh, this year after my season, but I look forward for a nice, uh, holiday, uh, on the beaches or maybe going with the camper, camper van somewhere so that we can bring our dog and doing some nice hiking for example, in the Dolomites or somewhere else where where they have nice mountains, um, it can be so much different things, but, uh, I, I really love to, to be like free outside.
0: Well, you know, Jens goes with these easy questions, but I, I, you know, I have this other one that is back in the hard category, I think. Thanks, Jens, for throwing me under the bus there. Um, being the number one ranked rider in the world comes with a lot of responsibility. You are looked up to as one of the leaders in the Peloton, right? And I know you weren't in that race in France that was canceled because of safety concerns. I know that you weren't in the Giro Dona. where the TT got canceled because of poor weather. But I'm just interested about what your take is surrounding security at the races in the women's peloton. Do you feel Um, safe?
2: Yeah, most of the time I feel safe. I think uh, sometimes you have strange things, but I think this is also a a men's races. uh, Sometimes you see also in the tour now uh, with this this, uh, uh, sprint stage... uh, um, two days ago it was. There was also a lot of discussion going on. So I think this discussion will always be there. And it's always also really difficult. Because we race on normal roads. And yeah. There are also always a lot of things. You do not expect sometimes. Um, but yeah. That's, that's part of racing also I think. And I think we need to be really aware. And also really need to do all our best to make the races as safe as possible uh, because what happens in the Pyrenees uh, in this race um, by the women, that was really not possible. I, I can really not believe that something like this was possible and I think it's really good that it was cancelled because it's the most important thing that it needs to be safe um, and then yeah it's it's really sad for a race organization on the other hand because a little bit smaller races are also really important for the women's uh, peloton, and yeah, it's you see now multiple races getting cancelled. Also uh, in Belgium, this stage race for us was cancelled because they they had not enough money or not enough um, to make it as safe as possible that that they could let it go. Um, but I think. Uh, yeah, that, that's really a shame. And we also really need the, the little bit smaller races. Um, so I hope this is not something that will continue. And I hope in the future, those things will not happen anymore.
1: Um, I have a follow-up question on that. The, the, the woman's calendar, now that um, the woman's Juritalia overlapped with the men's tour de France, where there's a lot of attention on the man's tour de France. The women's tour is right after the men. They start and finish on the same day. Um, Do you think it's a good idea? And if you would have, let's say, the magic touch one time, would you then say, okay, I want all three women races starting at the last weekend of the men's race, you would have a completely independence from the men's races? Or you think we should have the last week of the men's race should also be our Giro Italia woman, our Tour de France farm. If you could decide with a magic touch, what do you think would be the best? What, what do you think would you love the best?
2: I think, uh, like this, what we have in the Tour de France, uh, now works really good, um, because also, uh, normally when you really follow the men's Tour de France, uh, and then it comes to an end, you kind of fall into this, uh, deep darkness, like, oh no, the races are over. What do I need to watch now? And, and then there's women's cycling, and then you can watch women's cycling. So I think this is a really good solution. And um, like maybe it's a good idea to also put the women's Giro after the men's Giro. Maybe that's a really good idea. Um, also, for our contender, it's maybe a bit more better doable then um, But for example, what they have uh, in the classics, we also see that this really works uh, with the Flamdash classics. This, this is really good that the men start in the morning and we after them. Um, for us, it's late for them. It's maybe early, but, uh, this is really nice because everybody is putting on the TV for the men's and then the men's are finished and then they continue with the women's and the other way around works not so good. I have the feeling, um, so it's, it's really nice if we can, if we are after the men's, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Good point. Well, listen, I, one last question from my side. Um you, you know, your coach Anna, she retired what, a year and a half ago, so she was in her very early 30s. Uh Annemiek is 40 and she's still racing. You're only 26. There's a lot more in in front of you than behind you. So what are some of your goals and aspirations for the future?
2: Ah, I have a lot of goals (laughs) Um, for sure and I I, I want to to win more jerseys in the future Um, as well in in stage races as in in championships or um, Olympic Uh, the Olympics are also really big goal for sure Um, but also like time traveling I'm um, exploring more uh, myself now so I also really enjoyed like this, this championships, uh, I became second, but. I kind of liked this, uh, this time trial. I could enjoy it. Um, so that also gave me a lot of confidence for the future. And I also look a lot forward to, to improve my time trial
1: skills. Okay. I have a super light and totally out of context. Last question for you. <laughs> Bobby already is laughing. He's afraid already. I, I, I. I... If you could choose what superpower, what would it be to give you time to think about it? I would take teleportation because I could do the podcast. Then I would go like this, be back home with my kids and my wife, kiss them goodnight, be back here and be able to work. So teleportation would be my superpower. Now you have 20 seconds to think about it. What would be the superpower you would like to have? Oh,
2: variation.
1: The invisible, you could be flying, whatever, anything.
2: I think it would be something, um, like that I, 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 I could explore more. Um, because I really, t- like I really love to, to go on adventures, uh, to, to do some running in the mountains, for example, but sometimes it's not possible with my training schedules or you're, you're having races. So you're laying on bed in the hotels. But meanwhile, you're in such a nice country, such a nice area, and then I just wanted to explore, like, the mountains, what is behind the hotel. Um, But I cannot do this, because the next day I have a race, for example, so maybe also something like teleportation, that I I can also lay in my bed, but also see what's on the top of the mountain there. So, enjoying the view, or something like this. (laughs) Maybe something like this.
1: Yeah, on control time. You'll be able to stop time. So okay, I want tomorrow to be next week, and then now I have one week time to explore. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That would be great. Demi, you
0: have a long career. Take the time to go for that walk up that mountain. Even if you have a bike race, I swear to God, there's so many times where I was stuck in my hotel room or thought, hey, I got to stay off my legs, and I could have done something that I regret not doing now. So, of course, run that by your coach. Uh, make sure that that's okay. Um, my 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 superpower would have been flying. I've just had these, I've just have dreams of being able to fly. So I would love to be able to do that. But oh, uh, enough of our. Uh, uh, me,
2: for me, not because uh, I'm scared of heights, so that's not a good uh, good for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Debbie, thank you so much for coming on, Bobby and Yen's today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Good luck with your training, final training block, time trial training block, prior to the Tour de France FAM and the world championships and we look forward to having you back in the future someday
2: yeah thank you thank you so much for uh, for asking me
0: well that was a great chat with Demi Volerine, but we have a special guest today on the ground correspondent for Bello Mr. Dia Noor Dia welcome to Bobby and Jens thank you thank you both so much for having me on man I tell you we're all fans of the sport. Jens and I actually raced the Tour de France. But this is your first experience in the Tour de France. How's it going over there on the ground? It's absolutely incredible. I mean, it's blowing my mind. I, I thought I knew
3: what to expect coming in just because I watch it so much, right? I've been watching it for decades. Um, and But it was completely different, right? And I think I actually thought about it. I came to terms with it. When I watch it on TV... I'm watching the riders, every pedal, the replay, the replay of the replay. We're watching every second of it. And then, you know, they intertwine some of the crowds. Well, it was completely the inverse this time around, right? I'm in the crowd. I'm with the crowd for hours on end. And then the peloton comes by in a split second and that's over. So instead of seeing all the pedaling, I'm seeing really like I'm immersed in the culture. And it's something I've never experienced before. And, and I really highly, highly recommend it to anyone who hasn't tried before because it is it has a sense of community. For example, when we're watching it on TV, I am seeing every stat, every watt, every kilometer. I know exactly who's winning. When you're going through these small little towns and there's 10,000 people pinging the same cell spot, you may have four bars. You're not getting anything. And so you're literally asking people like, do you know what's going on? Oh, wait, you have service? Tell me. What's the split? Like, it's it's just such an incredible feeling of, you know, that I just didn't expect that.
1: So super happy to have come down. So what do you think? What impressed you more? The size of the organization, like 3,500 people moving every day, um, whatever, 3,000 vehicles moving every day, or the passion and the amount of spectators on the side of the road? I cannot believe. I mean, it was Besides Formula One,
3: which has plenty of times between races to move things around, I could not believe the amount of logistics it takes to put this tour on. Day in and day out. Thousands of trucks, thousands, you know, the caravan, the team. No, I mean, it was equipments for days. And you know what? People enjoy themselves at the tour. They they like to celebrate and vibe a little bit. How we have we don't have just dozens of accidents an hour is beyond me. Like it's, you know, we hear of the occasional fan interfering. I'm surprised we're not hearing it every minute. It's, it's unbelievable how they're able to put the store on uh, so
0: efficiently. It's, it's yeah. That was the wildest thing for me. So, Dia, what stage did you get there? What? How? You've been there a week, I believe, right? Yeah,
3: yeah. So I went to the first one was Bourjolais, which was amazing. Uh, and then it went to, into the mountains. Uh, and then today was my last stage, was the TT. And I have to tell you, uh, probably Grand Colombier was my favorite stage, you know, of of yeah, of the tour. Just because I actually got to climb it. Uh, we went a little bit earlier. And the fans are already completely lined up. I got cheered. I got, you know, water squirted on me. I stopped for a fondue on the side of the road. You have plenty of beverages offered to you people are pushing you up and they're encouraging you i mean it, it, it literally feels like you're in the tour
0: they're two inches from your face screaming at you in the best of ways so tell us a little bit about how you get around in the tour like you must have a credential if you're riding on the the roads right you know that's interesting uh we did not have
3: credentials right and so that made it a little bit challenging i'm not gonna lie uh, we're very lucky that we had, uh, you know, my fiance was supporting us and she's incredible at logistics. And so she has this thing up perfectly, but you have to come prepared. So we knew what roads were going to be closed. We knew where we needed to be at what time. Uh, and we still, by the way, we still still had some issues, not once, but twice the ways, the official, uh, you know, tour, whatever, the GPS of, of the tour uh, took us you know, this literally single track dirt trail and we have a minivan and we're hitting boulders left and right. And so it wasn't flawless by any means, but it does take a lot, you know, a good amount of preparation. Now, that being said, I think the tour and their website and their app does a fantastic job telling you exactly what is going on. For example, and I don't know, again, I'm a first timer, so you're probably like, the idea everybody knows this. I didn't know what the caravan was. So if anybody's listening, doesn't know what the caravan was is it's the most amazing thing ever it's literally a circus that happens an hour before the riders come through and you get everything thrown at you from you know french sausages to, to, to literally perriers and they really hype up the crowd but they'll tell you if you stand here the caravan will be here at 342 and the first people the first riders we going to be there at 4 30 and guess what it's almost down to the minute so they do a very good job, you know, helping you navigate
1: this literally this circus. It's it's incredible. I have a double question. First question. Have you did have you had the chance to see the last riders coming through the gruppetto with the sprinters and all that on some of these stages? I did on one, yes. All righty, good. And now second question. Have you ever seen anybody looking so tired than these riders in your life? I literally looked at my brother and said, I guess
3: that's it for these guys. They're quitting today. And then they come back the next day. I couldn't believe. I mean, there was just every sort of fluid coming off of their faces and their mouth. And they literally, they looked like some of them keeled over. I saw a guy just keel over after the finish line. But he was at the start line the next day. And it's just...
0: those are the things actually again that you just don't see when you're watching it on on TV one of the funny things that you just reminded me of is you were mentioning certain climbs I remember